prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Phil Ward and Chris Miller on The Mitchells vs. The Machines, The After Party, and The Spider-Verse. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. We've got some returning champions on this week's episode. All the way back to the early days of Happy, Sad, Confused, Phil Ward and Chris Miller were some of the first guests on the podcast way back when. And in those eight years since, these guys have made a ton of amazing projects. Lego movies, Jump Street movies, animated TV, film They run the gamut. The only consistency is quality, generally. They've got great taste. They are able to make unlikely projects into entertaining, fun, and innovative projects. And that certainly fits the bill for their new work. The After Party is their new show on Apple TV+. You probably have seen the reviews by now. This is a lot of fun. It's an old-fashioned whodunit. The conceit here, though, is every episode of the show is a different genre. So it is filmed differently, has a different feel and look. One is a musical, one is a rom-com, one's action, one's animated. The consistent part of it is, of course, the story and the stellar cast that features our good old friend Ben Schwartz, Tiffany Haddish, Ike Barinholtz, Dave Franco, uh, the list goes Sam Richardson, the list goes on and on. They're all comedy all-stars in their own right, and they came together to make this great new show. So I highly recommend The After Party. It's on Apple TV Plus right now. I've seen everything but the final episode, so I don't know who did it. And I will be tuning in when it comes on in a few weeks. Um, Meanwhile, on Netflix, in your Netflix queue right now, or if it's not in the queue, if it's not in it, add it right now, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, a delightful animated film they have produced. This one came out a few months back, um, and it is very much being talked about in the awards conversation. Could very well take home at least a nomination and perhaps an Oscar win. These guys have won an animated Oscar before uh, for Spider-Verse. So, speaking of Spider-Verse, there's a lot of Spider-Verse talk in this episode. Um, Phil and Chris, of course, made the, uh, the last Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film. They are currently working on the next two films. Yes, you heard me right. Two films are being made right now, simultaneously. I believe one comes out next year, or, or at the end of this year. I need to check my dates. I don't know. But all you need to know is two more films coming in the next couple years in the Spider-Verse. Very excited about that one. A lot of talk about that. Plus, they're working on some TV shows in the Spider-Verse, and these are live-action shows. We talk a bit about that. Uh, this conversation covers a lot, guys. There's the the Jump Street talk about the, the films that haven't been made yet, the Greatest American Hero reboot they never made. Yes, a little bit of solo talk. Of course, the one, like, chink in their armor is they were supposed to direct, they were directing the Solo film, and uh, didn't work out. Not everything works out, but they've got a good attitude about it all, and that part of the conversation is definitely uh, interesting, I think, for Star Wars fans and Lord and Miller fans. But bottom line, these guys are always uh, great to talk to. They're two of my favorites, so I know you will dig it. Um, Other things to mention, let's see, I'm keeping very busy, guys. As always, wearing my multiple hats, my podcast hat, my uh, MTV hat, my Comedy Central hat, 
I just I have a big closet filled with many hats um, and more to come, by the way. Another another show that we're developing um, that I'm excited to talk about very, very soon. There's a little tease for you. Um, but yes, on the MTV and Comedy Central front, uh, chatted with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. There's some fun stuff with those guys coming very soon. Um, by the time you listen to this, my conversation with Sebastian Stan I did for MTV should be up. As always, the easiest way to find all this stuff, just check my social media feed. Joshua Horowitz on Twitter and on Instagram. That's the easiest way to follow all my stuff. I have trouble keeping up with what I'm doing myself, but (laughs) I try to push it out there as it comes through the transom, and hopefully you guys are digging all of it. Um, I want to mention over on the Patreon page, we're very, very active right now. In addition to this video... Uh, interview, this video version of the podcast, as always, whenever possible, that's available, but also a lot of game nights coming up, guys. I have now, let's see, we taped one yesterday, and I don't want to reveal these yet, but I taped one yesterday with a cast of new new people I've never talked to, actually, but from a, a TV show that you guys are obsessed with, that you guys are obsessed with, many of you, I know for a fact, so I taped that yesterday. That's coming, and I'm taping two more game nights in the next week. So um, those will be staggered over the next weeks, month plus, but uh, lots of fun, guys. Lots of, uh, as I said, new people, some returning people, all of them representing beloved TV shows you know and love. Hopefully that is as much of a hint. Hopefully that'll that'll, that'll entice you. Check it out, patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. The link is, of course, in the show notes, as always. What else can I tease? Um, there's not, I, you know, I don't like to announce things before they're ready. We're working on, on some potential live events. And again, I've probably jinxed it, but I'm trying to make this happen, guys. Now that, you know, it feels like the COVID uh, atmosphere here in New York City is actually pretty good in terms of the numbers, trying to still be safe, as safe as possible. I don't know how I've avoided COVID for two years. Again, I've probably jinxed myself, but um, it feels like a lot of people are feeling comfortable with doing some live events more. I'm certainly in a headspace where I feel like I could do some of these here and there. I've already moderated a bunch of things. So stay tuned. Some happy, sad, confused live events. We're working on it. We're doing our best. It's hard to kind of line up all the ships with the right guests, the right venue, the right timing, but know that this is this is actually I'm spending a lot of time on this right now because I want to do it and I know you guys want to do it. So more to come on the podcast. I'll make the announcements. But of course, the first place I'll announce stuff is on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. I think that's about it before the main event. Here's one thing. I never mention it. I should mention it. Leave a review. I used to mention this all the times. This helps spread the good word. Leave a review if you would be so kind. Um, on the Apple, on iTunes, you know, uh, a positive review, review, I should mention. I don't need your negative review. If you have a negative review, write it and put it in a bottle and just stare at it. But if you have a positive thing to say, write a positive review. Give me five stars. Give me six stars if that's possible. This is all just about spreading the good word, letting other people enjoy this podcast that hopefully you've come to love. All right. That's that's my PSA for myself <laughs> for today. Um, here is my conversation with two delightful gentlemen geeking out, as always, about all the cool stuff. Here's Phil Ward and Chris Miller. Why, look, it's Phil Ward and Chris Miller, the dynamic duo that has outlasted Kanye and Kim, 
<laughs> the Cone Brothers, who would have thunk it? You guys just keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. That's your motto. That we is. Have, we have a lot of compromise on one another. So it that's helped. right. <laughs> any partnership. Mutual assured destruction. That's what it is. <laughs> so many incriminating photos. So many voice oh, memos. Lord. That's I mean, what happens when you go to college together. Right. <laughs> um, welcome back to the podcast. You guys were one of the first guests on Happy Second Fuse nearly eight years ago. Uh, right. We hard to, hard to think old. we could improve on that appearance, but, no. but we'll try. No, uh, it is good to have some history with folks, and it's good to have folks that um, just create an insane body of work that makes it overwhelming for me to research. Like, I feel like I know the Lord and Miller oeuvre. I know it well. And then I start to, like, look back at the filmography again today, and I'm like, oh, my, you guys are just obnoxious in productivity. It's just... <laughs> I don't know what is the matter with us. My, I'm, I'm home... I'm here in my mom's office. I'm home hanging out with my parents and my sister and her, and her kids. And my nephews are like, how many things have you made? And I said, I don't know. I, I forgot. <laughs> Speaking about you guys as a unit, I, do you resent the fact that Wikipedia has you down as a collective unit and not as isolated <laughs> human beings? No, I think I'm with that. And that, I mean, that's, uh been part of our our daily life uh people get us confused they just call us uh, where's the other one they don't know which is which <laughs> it's fine it's fine we are we, we, to the dga we had to present ourselves as one uh one soul and two hosts <laughs> <laughs> that's about right what i'm also like very shy so i like having like you can you know, retreat. Yeah. hide behind chris's legs like a no, top it's part. not it's not you're never lonely Never I, I think of you guys as like the creature from Total Recall, the Kalato, where like one the of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm inside Chris's. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm like a parasite living in Chris's ribs. <laughs> this is now oh, promo right. for the new movie Malignant. I don't know if you guys have yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the next Malignant. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would watch We're announcing it, it now. Is there, <laughs> there must have been. Be so funny. There must have been a week, a day, a month where you guys took a timeout where you said, we love each other, but let's just, let's just reassess like in any relationship. Well, we did when we moved to Los Angeles, we, <laughs> not to brag, but we, uh, we moved into Park La Brea, Tower 46, apartment 5C. And, uh, and we shared a bedroom and we had like Burton Ernie beds next to each other and had to like, are you good to go to, I'm going to turn out the light. Are you done reading? <laughs> and that, and then we also commuted to North Hollywood again, not to brag together. And we worked in the same office. And so the only time apart was like showers and, and laundry. <laughs> so it's, and uh, that was like, we need some space here. Maybe we should get separate, uh, yeah, apartment. separate apartments. That was a good choice. Uh, and I don't, I was against it, Chris, but whatever. <laughs> Well, you're a part of his anatomy, of course. Why would you want any yeah. separation? That's right. The surgery will be painful, but uh, <laughs> but it will be productive. Um, there is a lot to talk about, as always. Uh, I've enjoyed all the recent work. Let's start with the after party. There's so much damn love for this one, guys, and well-deserved. Congratulations. Oh, um, thanks. I mean, Thank you be very much. We're so uh, relieved. I'm, I can't, I'm psyched people are seeing it. Yeah, I mean, you never know, as you well know, um, this one is really clicking with audiences. The reviews are just insane. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. First of all, um, 
it's a fascinating show for those that don't know. It's a whodunit. It is a show that switches genres episode by episode. Um, I know this started as a feature. Talk to me a little bit about, okay, initial idea. Is the initial idea I want to play around with a whodunit? Is the initial idea of the form, like I want to play around with different genres within, at the time, I know it was a film. What was the first kind of... Yeah, the, I mean, I, I sort of came up with this idea of... Uh... 11 or 12 years ago uh and it was, really came out of my love for uh murder mystery it's a genre that i've always uh, absolutely adored so um i thought oh it'd be really cool to do it in a sort of rashomon style where each uh suspect gets to tell their version of the night and then just the puzzle of it of being like each person sort of gives a clue and then add up all the different points of view and you can you can solve the mystery that was the original idea I went to my high school reunion and it seemed like a perfect place to set, set uh, uh, a murder mystery. And it wasn't until sort of like getting into it and figuring out what the thematics of it were and how it was really about um, perspective and empathy and how you can sort of see the world through your own myopic lens and not realize you know, or sort of stereotype other people that it became clear that it sh that what it was really about and that's sort of when, and then when we expanded it into a series and we really could like dig deep into each person's perspective and let them be their own thing and their own style of storytelling and, and really lean into the film genre aspect of it. And so that came about later in the development because, uh, you know, it was almost like a weird puzzle exercise at the beginning that sort of, that grew uh, feelings along the way. <laughs> It started with one of those perp charts that you see in like police procedurals and, uh, you know, Homeland and like Carrie Matheson's house. <laughs> but it was in yarn. like Chris's office. There was yarn everywhere. And he's like, this is the, I have an idea for a movie. It's this pile of yarn in right. my <laughs> <It's> serial <laughs> color wall over and here. I like, okay, can't get great. out of okay. it. Right. I have to write it so I can get my office back and my children will stop looking at me in a weird way. Well, no, so that like mission all, accomplished. Yeah, all your work is obviously so dense in every way, in the good use of the word. No, we don't like it until it gets really hard. And I feel like right. that's why like, it didn't totally click and get made until we figured out a way to make it even harder <laughs> by, by <laughs> instead of making one thing, we could make eight different things. Well, that's the funny thing. Like, you know, for, for those, you know, for people that, that make TV, part of the joy is part of the shortcut is, oh, I'm using the same sets, the same style, the same everything. <laughs> we get, you, you guys, you fucked it up. You did, you totally I know, we did it. it the most complicated way, way possible. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, different lighting, different cameras, different lenses, different costumes, different music. Poor Daniel Pemberton, who did the score and, you know, did the Spider-Verse score with us, had to do 10 different genres of music. Uh, and so every episode was like a whole new, like reinventing the wheel again yeah. and again and again. It was really, he thought really didn't realize what he'd sign up, up for uh, <laughs> when he did it. But that's no free that's lunch in this time. This, this cast, this is one of those casts that like is just stellar from top to bottom. They're already a very accomplished in their own right. But I also do think this is the kind of cast that like in five or 10 years, you're going to look back on and be like, how the hell did they gather that group in one place yeah. for a few months? Because it's, it's they're all in different kind of like levels of success right now. But I feel like it, it's all going to equalize in five or 10 years and they're all going to be like ruling comedy and acting, right? It was well, there, there was a pandemic on. 
it was, you know, it was a slightly less competitive. Best thing for availability. <laughs> right. Well, it was, yeah, everyone, I mean, was, we were very lucky to get that group of people. And they're not all just great actors. They're also, all of them pretty much are hyphenates where they're like writers, producers, directors, creators of stuff. And so they all come at it with this like intelligence. Right. Like you're asking these people to, uh, you know, not just do their own character, but to do eight different shades of their character going like, right. well, what's the, what's the rom-com version of my character and what's the horror version of that ca character? You're like your brain uh, has to be a certain way in order to understand how to do that. And then they could add so much uh, to the show because they could understand what it was as a whole and, and think about it like writers, producers, directors, as well as actors. You guys were um, early adopters, thankfully, of the Dave Franco, getting the Dave Franco thing. You knew you knew there was gold to be mined in that. Something about that guy. Yeah. Well, like we um, we've got to know him on 21 Jump Street where he plays, you know, uh, a heel. <laughs> and uh, we we auditioned a lot of people with Jonah and Davey got the most out of Jonah because unlike some of the other people that auditioned, some of the other folks, they 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 like they created a competitive feeling in Jonah. And so like a lot of their improvisations were about like one upsmanship. Right. And for some reason, Davey, we like he inspired Jonah to want to like be his best friend. <laughs> and so then all the improvs were about like how much Jonah liked Davey and how he wanted to like get into his world which of course was like great for his relationship with Channing. So you, something about Davey just makes you like fall for him. And when we were thinking about this part, here's a guy that you have to spend the whole, the whole show going like, yeah, everybody, that guy probably deserved to die. <laughs> you need someone who can ballast that with enough humanity that you're on his side and you and want he to was solve really, the murder. He was really, uh, invested in figuring out ways to sort of humanize him and not make him just sort of like a one note douche. Right. And he did an amazing job of it. And later in the season, you get to see more sides of him and sort of almost feel sorry for him. <laughs> almost. Uh, almost the operative and, word, yeah. uh, and that's really, and that's really fun. And he's really, and he was really game to do anything. I mean, he like wearing <laughs> that suit with no shirt, dyeing his hair blonde, <laughs> Uh, we made a music video and he recorded four songs for the, for the show. They eat um, me out right now. That's right. RIP Xavier. Um. <laughs> I could explore the, the glorious expanded universe of douchebag Xavier endlessly. It's there just a, a lot. We yeah. made a lot of props of various Xavier branded cereals and uh, grooming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> X's and O's. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, a lot to cover. Let, let's let's also mention this great animated film. Came back a while ago, but it's still staying in the conversation. People are still digging it. It's getting awards conversation right now, which is always nice. The Mitchells versus the Machines, which you guys uh, have produced. Um, talk to me about, you know, unlike a lot of stuff you've done, a lot of animated use stuff you've done, this is not IP. This is not something that is derived from another source. Is that tough to get off the ground, uh, or are you guys at a, at a stage where you get some trust from Sony and, and I guess Netflix then acquired uh, to make something like this? Well, there's obviously clearly enough trust. These movies are expensive, and yeah. uh, it took a second to help everybody see what we saw in um, in this movie. But 
but um, they obviously committed hard <laughs> to it. Uh, and it is, it's an original animated movie about a very original family. And it's told in a way that, uh, you know, that you've never seen a, an animated movie tell a story before. And for us that, you know, that's exactly what we're dedicated to doing. And um, when we met Mike Riando, we saw an early, early, early pass that he'd done. And it was funny and it was warm and it was daring. And our whole thing is, I don't want these animated movies to become a genre, to become a product or a formula. It's not, um, you know, it's not the province of like, you know, companies and shareholders. It's like people make these things. Right. And and right, and so, and, and we came up making animated movies in like a studio together at at college, where it really was like a handmade thing. We drew every darn frame, and our favorite animated films that inspired us are all like strange independent shorts that were made in like former breakaway Soviet republics. And so that that spirit of it is 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 why we wanted to make Spider Verse and why we wanted to be part of Mitchell's. I mean, it's, and that's why yeah. Sony is a was Sony is a special place to make a movie because they don't have a house style. They don't have like a right. like a formula that they use, and uh, and so we were able to, and because of our relationship with them, and and we were able to say like, this is going to be good. We guarantee it. We're staking our word on it, and you can just trust us. And and they did, and that was great. That's a good place to be in. That's a good uh, plateau to reach. I mean, I often hear about, like, in respect to, like, for instance, the Pixar films, like, these films are always on the precipice of abject failure before they become brilliant. Is that yeah. part and parcel of the nature of animation? Uh, have you guys experienced that with this or other films? Where <laughs> every, every single thing that we've done, we've had some screening midway through the production where... We all looked at each other and go like, oh, we are screwed. We are absolutely screwed. <laughs> Even Spider-Verse, we did a, a early test in Arizona and it did not test well at all. No we one ever liked adjustments. it. <laughs> we made some adjustments. We figured out what people were, you know, bumping on and what, what why they weren't engaging with it. And uh, and you just keep working. It's a, it's a product that you're like, I mean, it's just a thing that evolves and you, the audience sort of tells you what you, it wants. Yeah. And then you have to figure out the way to give it, uh, give it a, what they don't realize they want. Uh. <laughs> it is a case of just grinding. Yeah. Where you kind of go, I'm trying to sustain an audience's engagement in this thing for as long as possible, which means you have to sit there and watch it going like, all right, we get that those five seconds, those are great. The next five seconds, those are great. Then something happens in my body, like the whole thing grinds to a halt. And I'm like, what? what? That was dumb. And then you got to either cut it or beat it. Usually we try to beat it um, because, you know, we try to leave it all in the field <laughs> uh, and then only cut things down as a last resort. Um, so it's, you know, we've been working on a sequence that opens Spider-Verse for the, you know, about a year. And it's getting good finally. <laughs> <laughs> so you're at the stage where it's starting to actually look like right. it's such an iterative yeah, process. Yeah, you start to watch animation, it. Animation yeah. is a very iterative process. And you yeah. get to see it and feel it first before you finish it. And right. I think that's part of why a lot of animated movies turn out so great because you have a chance to like ask your gut, is this working or not? Right. Uh, in a way that it's hard to tell when you're on set on a live action. Uh, movie or show where you're like shooting a scene 
like you get a sense of it, but you don't have the chance to like watch it, think about it and go like, you know what, we're doing this all wrong. Let's flip it around and, and do it over again. Right. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's curious because you have to make these things with your this part, your frontal lobe, which is the smartest and stupidest part of your body. But you, but you watch the movie with everything else. You watch your movie with, a, with your stomach. And right. so you have to be honest with yourself when you're watching the material going, I'm not into this. I don't know what it is. And then you can use your big dumb, you know, the gray matter to try to decode why that was. But the stomach, that's like true. That's true. The truth. Again, always focused on the stomach, I guess, as a quato, you that's you just go. where you live. That's where you <laughs> live. The second most nerves in the body. Why They're do you all think right our here. first movie was Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs? It's all yeah, about the <laughs> So speaking of Spider-Verse, the last time I spent some quality time uh, with you guys was on that circuit. I remember moderating a New York Comic-Con event that where Shamik uh, ruined uh, the first act of the film by telling the audience uh, on a live stream what happened, not realizing. I think that's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Didn't he say that like Peter Parker died or something? Yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Only people in the room saw it. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, we were, we're all learning all the time. God bless him. So um, I, you were a very gracious host that day. Always fun. Always fun. And um, talk to me. I'm so endlessly fascinated on where we are in Spider-Man world, because right now there are Okay, so there are two different, <laughs> there are two different Spider-Man, uh, uh, multiverse Spider-Man franchises going. Right. Or right. are there? <laughs> this is my question. <laughs> all, all the multiverse is big and wide and it, all things grow in, the, in the multiverse. That's I mean, right. I, I, all I'm saying, me as Josh, Sony, the heir to the Sony franchise, That's would right. not want two different things. You would want it all to cohesively come together, wouldn't you? That would create. Why would different... you think? Why would you think a multiverse in which many, many things are possible uh, uh, that they're not related? Right. That everything's possible except for this one thing that everyone yeah. wants. <laughs> <laughs> so I, okay, I, I, look, I don't expect you to spill a lot, but I'm just here's what I'm curious about. Like, how plugged in? Like, when did you know what they were doing at No Way Home? Uh, because I remember you guys talking about wanting all those Spider-Men in potentially an end sequence in Spider-Verse. Was that That's scuttled true. partially because they were already thinking about bringing them together in live action? Was that your uh, understanding? You're no. imagining a level of forethought that is <laughs> precious. It's adorable. Adorable way, I think. I know, I know. It's very generous of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we work, uh, you know, uh, Amy Pascal, who it was a producer on Spider-Verse and also on the live action Spider-Mans. Uh, and, and she's been sort of our conduit uh, to knowing exactly what's been going on in the Spider-Verse uh, and its various forms. Uh, and uh, and the, the writers uh, and the director are all buddies of ours. So we sort of uh, have been in the loop as far uh, as what's going on. And we always are trying to make sure that we're not, you know, stepping on each other's toes and telling different types of stories and different, you know, themes and all that stuff. Because uh, you know, people, uh, people want an original story that feels new and interesting. And right. it's our job to give it to them. It's a bit of a, um, a like a, a, a forced collaboration, right? <laughs> Where you're, you're collectively advancing this like, humongous mega story and you have um total control over your little sliver of it and everything else you just have to make you know communicate as much as possible and make adjustments and 
kind of treat the, what everybody else is doing as a sort of a provocation or what's that like um, Lars von Trier movie, like the five obstructions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's almost like a film school exercise where you're like, okay, we were going to do that, but they did it first. So we're going to have to do something different. And often that makes you um, think of something that you wouldn't have thought otherwise. And it makes it all, you know, it makes your thing better because you're having to come up with, um, with an off-speed pitch and not do the obvious thing. And that the first Spider-Verse was like that too, right? It was like, it's playing off of the canon and allowing, and that gives you the freedom to do something else. In terms of, I mean, I remember like one of the mantras for the first one was like, you wanted aesthetically to feel like you were inside a comic book, right? And I know in this mm -hmm. the next one, you've talked about each world, each universe kind of feeling aesthetically unique. Is that one of those kind of mantras? I'm sure there are a bunch of kind of like guideposts for how you, you, uh, create this next one like what are the most common phrases in development of this one that you guys are are uttering to keep you on your to, oh. your north star um uh, a note we often say is that looks too reasonable <laughs> <laughs> that is a very reasonable solution to this problem and that is reasonableness is not this movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, and, and the same thing happened on Mitchell's. It's like, we're here, not here to be reasonable. Right. Right. We're not, we're here to be unreasonable. <laughs> this is the province of maniacs. Uh, and you, and the brand of the first Spider-Verse movie is like, I haven't seen that before. I can't believe they did that. So if we run it back. I think we failed. If you right. watch that movie and go like, yeah, I've seen this before, then it is not a success. So Right. Part of the fun of going to all these different dimensions is and is like figuring out what is a drawing and art style that feels like it's in the world of comics, but feels very distinct from each other world. Right. Um, or in, in a Spider-Man universe that feels like this is true to a Spider-Man universe, but doesn't look like anything else. It doesn't look like the, the world we saw before or the world we'll go to next. Um, and it's really exciting because you can always go like, I bet we can push this a little farther. Uh, and and so we're going to some pretty radical places. Yeah, no one ever walked out of a movie going like, wow, I, those people who made that movie must have been such great compromisers and right. so reasonable in meetings. So much restraint. Like, all my favorite movies were made by unreasonable people, groups of people who collaborated. We have a very like healthy collaboration with all of the great filmmakers we're working with, but they're, but the goal is to make something that like you're not allowed to make. Yeah, big swings or nothing. That's that's, right. that's, you know, that's like all feeling like people are like, wow, I can't believe they got away with this. Yeah, exactly. everything that we do, uh, and uh, and this is not no different. Have yeah. you spent some quality time with Nick Cage yet in the VO booth? And if not if, yet. if not, if you have any room in there for me to eavesdrop or just be the proximity, please. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the, fun, uh, the, the fun secret about Nick Cage is he is so fun and easy to work with and so dedicated to making it great Obsessed and, and you might think like oh you're gonna get somebody who's like a wild man but what you're getting is someone who's just wants to be creative and have a good time who's actually just an incredible actor and uh <laughs> and people uh i i'm glad a lot of people like came to pig uh not uh like maybe not realizing that oh this is like a real this is like oh this remember this guy's an incredible actor the best and, and and a consummate talk show uh, uh storyteller um the rain man uh, uh horse anecdote is going to go down in I history mean, he's he's 
He's lived a life. We'll say he's lived a life. <laughs> yes. um, you guys are so prolific and have had such a storied career that not only do you have a Wikipedia entry that's filled with projects, you have a Wikipedia entry that's devoted to your unrealized projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'll indulge me, I want to go down these and tell me what, what, just tell me what you feel comfortable telling me. So for instance, okay. on this page, 2014, Ghostbusters. Mm. But did you write anything? Did you have a pitch? Did you have a take? How far down the road on Ghostbusters did you get? We got, oh, well, it depends. I don't know. I'm looking at Chris. I don't know what we're, I don't, I don't know we, we, we can or should say, but we can say that we had a friend who had an idea for a Ghostbusters thing that we thought was great. And we developed it for a little bit um, uh, with Ivan. Uh, and then, uh, and then we, um, Put it to the side for a bit and i don't know if it will ever come back or not but it uh it is fun is is there room in what they're doing now for your idea to still exist I mean, or my understanding is like for for what they're where, where jason and ivan are heading is just like first things first is like protect mm -hmm. the mothership this was a little more sideways of that i think one that um i I'm sad has never seen the light of day. You guys are working on a Greatest American Hero TV show, and I got uh, yeah. worshiping Greatest American Hero. I, I don't understand. That show. With Rick, with Rick yeah. from you, I was the right. best. So, yeah. so is that is that something you would ever return to? That feels like uh, that 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 ripe for um, exploring in some. I mean, form. certainly in a world where there's uh, uh, a lot of superhero content, it was sort of a it was a very unique and fun and very relatable show. Uh, by the great Stephen J. Cannell, who also did uh, the 21 Jump Street. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we got to meet him. Right, before uh, he passed away. And he was great. He had like a, like, um, you know, a, like silver fox, like lion's mane of beautiful white hair. Uh, and and uh, that show was great. And Rick had a great take on it, which was, you know, about the gentrification of Inglewood. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh we were really excited he's a really lovely guy to work with uh yeah. who's a huge fan of comics and um but you know so it's not everything uh you know is uh you know works out <laughs> that's why we have a lot of irons on the fire I, I i know it i know it. one section is devoted just to all jump street permutations a lot of things in there. right <laughs> <laughs> so let's see let's run it down 23 Jump Street. There was talk of 24 Jump Street skipping by 23 Jump Street. Right. Yeah. There was talk of um, the Men in Black Jump Street crossover. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the female-led Jump Street that was rumored for Tiffany Haddish and Aquafina, among others. Right. Yeah, tw 21 Lady Street. <laughs> Is that your working title? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah there, we've had, it, it's true that there was, uh, you know, there have been some uh, a lot of these things have been in de developed. There was a, believe it or not, a Men in Black uh, Jump Street crossover script that was very funny and very crazy um, that we really adored. Uh, and like one of my favorite ideas is that the Men in Black, like the black suits were like um, martial arts belts that you had to work your way up to black and that they were they were issued powder blue <laughs> men in black suits. Um, and was yeah, that was we, that all the was that both your cast? Was that was that like, was that that Tommy was, the idea was? I mean, I don't know what we we should or could say, but yeah, it 
it was basically the idea was that Joan and Channing, a thing happened while they were doing their medical school adventure that got them embroiled into the world of men in black. And they ended up sort of teaming up to sort of stop uh, an alien uh, takeover type of thing. So got it. it was, it was very funny. It was very crazy <laughs> trying to sort of like manage these two franchises and not drive them both into the ground seemed like a, a real <laughs> seemed like a real challenge. Yeah, a real that was challenge. Real motive. What if we can ruin two different franchises at once? <laughs> I mean, that's one way to go. Um, but so are any I will say it came very close them? to happening. Wow. Very, very close. Well, yes. in retrospect, I'm sure Sony is killing themselves for Men in Black International and thinking maybe we should have gone that way, but you know, you never know. Who um, knows? It's very easy to put, play Monday morning quarterback. Of course. Is that so? Are any of them still being developed, or is the female-led one softly, or? softly, <laughs> soft development? That's a new phrase I've never. Not. Heard. It's not not being developed. <laughs> um, of course, there's also a section on there, and you guys are too nice for me to like really dig in here. But there's a big section on solo, of course, on the unrealized projects. Sure. Uh-huh. Have, have you you barely talked about it over the years, and I get it. I understand why. Do you talk to your therapist about what went down? <laughs> Who has heard the stories of Solo? Um, gosh, I, I, uh, I'm in my mom's office. She's a therapist. So I did talk to her a little bit. Um, you know, those things are, uh, you know, we've always wanted to, you know, make projects that are um, like Han, you know, a maverick. And, and uh and so, you know, that's what we were always trying to do. That's what we were, we were, we were hoping to do with those movies. What's funny about Star Wars is it's an independent film <laughs> made outside the Hollywood system. And Han is the spirit of that kind of independence. And, and um, that's why we were always inspired to, to, to work on that with everybody. And the, the good news is, you know, you, you, they can't take away what you learned. It's, we learned so much. We got to work with the greatest people. We made so many friends. Um, we put, so what, what in animation we call pencil miles, you know, uh, under our belts. And, um, and it made us better filmmakers in the long run. So in a funny way, there's obviously a lot of, <laughs> there were some negative emotions associated with that. But, um, but the way I feel about it now is just like, yeah, like I feel about all these projects, which is you're just trying to become better and learn and collaborate yeah. with people. And that doesn't go away. Has it colored your love of Star Wars at all? Like, are you able to like watch all these series and not have the, the baggage of? It certainly it? colored. Uh, it certainly also you like know how the sausage is made. So you yeah. were actually watching like, oh, I know where that prop came from. I, I saw <laughs> that prop in the prop warehouse um and that sort of thing so it's it's interesting in that way um and but i can and we also spotting some of the things we came up with on solo sort of trickle in to the rest yeah. of the canon right a lot of these like you know, like aliens and robots bye eyes like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's rumor at this point that go like this each one is independently moving like piece of uh amazing uh, armature is pretty fun uh, and, and it's very easy to root for uh, Ryan Johnson, for example, like just having spent a lot of time with him and watching his movie come together. Right. Um, you know, it's really, it was really easy to root for Gareth, um, having sort of been on the ground, watching him put that together and, and, and on and on, you know, uh, all through the ILM group, you know, there's like a lot of great craftspeople that we love rooting for and the creature shop people that are amazing. Yeah. So, you know, so I, th- that's my access point. 
Is it true? Okay, the one last thing just on casting. You guys have done such amazing casting over the years. Is it true you almost convinced Christian Bale to be in a Star Wars movie? Did you come close <laughs> on that? I'm not sure about <laughs> almost. I can't I can't confirm it was discussed. Okay. Did he he was interested, but it just didn't come together in the end? I actually don't know. Okay. Okay. You know, you know, I can muse. I'd like to see him one day yeah. do something in there. Um I asked you guys for a comfort movie. I always find this a very telling, fascinating thing. Um, you guys, you guys went way back to your childhoods, presumably. <laughs> um, tell me how you collectively came up with the movie that you did and why it's a source of comfort for, uh, to you to this day. Um, we, we, we chose the Muppet movie, um, which was uh, a very formative movie uh, for, I think, both of us. Um, for me, there was, there was like a real moment where I started thinking about the craft of filmmaking because I was like, how, I know these are puppets. How is Fozzie driving the car and where's the puppeteer? How is he not crashing the car? Where is he looking out the window? How can he see what's happening? Why aren't they dying? And maybe like (laughs) wonder how it was done and then start to think about like draw schematics of how they might've done it. And then at, th- at that age, I was more like, how did they teach a bear to drive? <laughs> this really is telling of the developmental <laughs> pace right. of both of you guys. But, <laughs> the, but the thing about that movie six. is that it's like full of these amazing, beautiful songs written by Paul Williams, like really, really funny and sweet and emotional. And like, it's full of this joy and earnestness that like is in you know, you know, is rare these days. And so, you know, if you want to feel something that's just about like the purity of like people coming together and going to Hollywood to make their dreams come true, uh, it feels thematically like a thing that uh, that is appropriate for us about like we are this crazy band of weirdos that we're gathering a bunch of other weirdos along with us and going like, come on, let's make some things and let's make some things that are putting good in the world and not, you know, trying to like make, make things worse that is what i love about the movie is and we talk about it a lot especially the last couple of years is that how can we help imagine goodness you know that we experience a lot of um people not getting along in real life (laughs) and and we talked about it tons on the mitchells it's like how do we um how can we show people trying to get along like i don't want to watch 90 minutes of people fighting but i could watch 90 minutes of people trying to figure out how not to fight and one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years is Borat 2, because Borat <laughs> 2 helps imagine goodness. <laughs> it yeah. witnesses all of these like negative things that are happening in the world. Those happen, right? Like you've got like Rudy in the room and that's just something that you can't avoid. But they, in, they create goodness by like inviting people to help this young woman. <laughs> and so that movie actually created goodness. <laughs> And so I love that about the Muppets. The Muppets run around, you know, in their Studebaker, inspiring people, seeing them, seeing people who aren't ever seen, even though they're like a seven foot tall, like crazy looking monster, you know, and, 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 and seeing what they have to offer like taking a guy like Gonzo and going like, we could use a guy like that if we're the right <laughs> way, you know? And it is kind of like putting together a, a film crew or a basketball team or, a, you know, it's like major league. It's like these parts by themselves are sort right. of not, um, not up to snuff, but together 
with the right, um, <laughs> you know, with the right collaboration, like they make an amazing whole. Is, do you have a favorite uh, relationship? Does it have to be Piggy and Kermit? Is there, uh, like, where do you grab I, I mean, this may be seeming uh, too appropriate, but I think the Fozzie and Kermit relationship is uh, sort of formative. Yeah. <laughs> where it's they, like, psychics. they're super different, but they both love each other, and they, like, just have this, like, instant uh, friendship. And I think it's a, it's a little bit like uh, Sam Richardson and Ben Schwartz on the after party, where they're, like... <laughs> uh like one's a jokester and one's like trying to be more serious but they love each other and they're and they're buddies and you can just keep watching them and one of the guys has their head in the clouds and the other one yeah. is like, fuzzy <laughs> <laughs> but they're both really really sweet like neither one is a jerk they're both really really like pure of heart um look, looking ahead for a moment as i alluded to from the outset always a full docket for you guys uh there are a couple of potential projects that have been mentioned as the next directing effort. Uh, one that sounds like a big change of pace and sounds intriguing is the premonition. Um, is that something that you guys, uh, clearly you're intrigued by and I don't know if you've been like thinking about doing something more dramatic for a while, but is a swerve like that necessary and important and exciting to you at this stage in your career? Well, it's not um, quite so <laughs> like well thought. Like we try not to think about like a filmography. We just yeah. try to go, what is something that that inspires us and that we have a, a, we feel like we can do a great job with. In the case of The Premonition, you know, Michael Lewis wrote a book with full of appealing characters, all of whom are um, trying to um, uh, do something that hasn't been done before. They're all fighting against the system. Um, For while, context, this is early days of COVID. Three days of COVID, even yeah. even before, where like the people who wrote the pandemic plan under um, George W. Bush. Oh wow! You know, uh, like one of the crazy about it is it, it's about you know people who had foresight about pandemics, but it's not it's not like a downer. It's actually really fun. That's what really uh, intrigued us about the book was like, this is a really fun book full of like crazy scenes and you could make a movie out of this that would actually be uh, a joy for people to watch and not like, here's a lecture to you about why things are important and nobody right. wants to see that. Right. But it is somewhat imagining what good government is, you know? <laughs> like, it's like, it's these- So sci-fi fantasy. So, so true. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, the, it's the people who act, who are in, that might not be the front-facing people in a government, but they're the ones who are there because they care about the mission and they're willing to do anything. They have to, to sort of work around the, the red tape and bureaucracy and all the other nonsense that there is, like getting in the way of actually people getting right. things done. Making and fundamentally, the they don't care about yeah. being fired. They right. don't care about being fired. They're like <laughs> punk musicians. They're like, sure, That's awesome. <laughs> fire me. I don't care. This is the right thing to do. It sounds very intriguing. And what? And where are you at with the Andy Weir project? And the Gosling had been mentioned for that oh, one. Yes, project Hail Mary. Uh, very fun. Great book. Uh, if you haven't read it, read it. It is a great, great read. Or get the audio book while you like uh, <laughs> while you commute um, to your living room. While <laughs> <laughs> I walk in my kitchen to my bedroom. Um, but it's a really, really delightful book. It's really fun and like uh, any Andy Weir thing is full of like science porn, but it's also like got a really great relationship and friendship at the heart of it. And 
and is one of his most emotional books. Uh, and um, and so we've been working with uh, Drew Goddard, who's a fantastic writer and wrote the adaptation of The Martian. Right. Uh, and he's done an amazing job uh, uh, on the script, and uh, and uh, and I think it's going to be a great movie. And how goes finally your building out of the Spider World in live action TV form? Um, we know that Silk, it sounds like, is I think the first thing that you guys are are working on. That's the word on the street. Um, again, like where does this fit in? Does it, I, I assume from our previous conversation, this fits in with everything is the answer. Like you, it's not independent. You're not siloing these off um where does it stand and what's your all things grow in the in the multiverse my friend (laughs) the garden of the lord uh yeah i mean we were working on uh, something related to this just this morning it's a big focus of our literally uh, jumped off of that zoom to talk to you josh yes it's true i'm stymieing your (laughs) development i'm so sorry yeah you're hurting it as we speak no, uh, we're working with some really great um, uh, 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 partners on that and um, and trying to come up with something as unusual and surprising as uh, the other spider stuff that we're coming up with. And um, and we, you know, the thing that's uh, like we've, uh, sorry to repeat ourselves, with, but uh, creating this like collective work of art that is the you know the the uh, the I don't know what to call it the spider universe <laughs> of, the, of Sony Marvel characters I don't know what it is but this collective work of art that is like imagining that all these stories fit together yeah. right yeah. and and a lot and giving people the space to uh, use their imagination to connect these things um, is really exciting. And you're just trying to like make a good contribution to it and not deny anyone the ability to imagine that these things, that when we're not watching, that these people all hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Well, if only there were an audience for all this stuff. Um, People don't really care for the spider folks, but maybe one day they'll they'll realize (laughs) it's a great, uh, it's a great world. Uh, I can't wait to see where that goes. Two more Spider-Verse films, all these TV series, but uh, on the front of the docket for our listeners, if you haven't checked out the after party, what are you doing with your lives? This is great. This is joyous. This is really innovative um, and always entertaining. And it features just a dynamite ensemble. Um, My mortal enemy, Ben Schwartz. uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Sam Richardson, Alana Glazer, the, the list goes on and on. Um, and, and on the animation front, I mean, guys, on Netflix, Mitchell's versus the Machines, check it out. Uh, the buzz is real. It's a great one. Um, congratulations, guys, as always. It's always a pleasure Thanks to catch so up. Much. Always guys, a joy to talk to you. A pleasure. You. Back, back to your therapy session, Phil. And we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, thanks. We'll, we'll check on your, your Kawato growths on our next session. That's right. Will do. Right, he's right, like, right. he's, uh, he, we got him separated and, and he's, yeah. he's walking around on his own now. It's really great. <laughs> so proud what if i like lifted up my sweatshirt and just comped chris and like a camera setup <laughs> and like a tiny library oh god there's your yeah. horrifying image of the night um <laughs> thank you guys i'll see you soon i hope all right Be good godspeed josh and so ends another edition of happy sad confused remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm a big podcast person I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh.